Hey everyone, this is Let's Get For Real, a podcast all about cats and dogs and what they mean to us. I'm Susan Michaels, the creator of the two biggest events in the world celebrating pets and pop culture, CatCon and Cat Art Show. Special thanks to our good friends at World's Best Cat Litter, the number one natural cat litter made from whole kernel corn. In addition to sponsoring this episode, World's Best has pledged to donate one pound of cat litter to various shelters across the U.S. in their Give Litter program. For every single stream of this episode, up to one million pounds. So remember, share this podcast with your friends everywhere, because every listen will benefit cats in need. So I don't know about you guys, but the last few weeks have been pretty hard, pretty tough. The impact on my psyche and the effect of this epidemic, you know, has really affected me mentally and really maybe not as much physically because my little doggy buddy makes me get out regularly during the course of the day. And I leave my phone in the house. I get an opportunity to get outside of myself and the situation that we're in, maybe even for a brief moment. It's a nice little bit of a mental respite. Having my cat and dog with me, I'm still at my brother's house in Northern California recording this podcast from my niece's bedroom. Having them around has been monumental in terms of the unconditional support that they give me. Not knowing what's happening day to day has been a challenge, and that mantra of one day at a time has never been more important, I think, than right now. My guest for this episode is a gentleman by the name of Ben Moon. He is somebody that really lives by the one day at a time, sees the moment, live every day to the fullest kind of directive. He has had this amazing journey of a life and spent a good portion of it with his dog, Denali. You may have seen the film he created with a bunch of other like-minded creative individuals back in 2015, which was an homage to his doggy who had passed away in 2014 and is told from the dog's point of view about the life they shared together, including giving insight into Ben's discovery that he had colon cancer at the age of 29. The film garnered millions and millions of views, and it's something that personally has had a tremendous impact on me and reminds me regularly not to take things for granted. We're going to listen to a clip from the film right now. I'm pretty sure Ben knows I'm dying. I'm not sure if it's the cancer or something else, but he's been taking me to all the places we used to go to and checking on me a lot. The other day he asked me to let him know when I was ready to go. He said he didn't want me to suffer. And now, here's my conversation with Ben Moon. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. First thing I want to ask you is, is where are you and and how are you doing right now? Um, I'm at home on the Oregon coast. Yeah, thank you for having me on. These are really interesting times, and so... I'm really grateful to have, you know, I'm living in a place in a little coastal town and I've been building a home and actually been living in my camper van while I'm building my house. And so I wrote most of the book in this van. And so it's kind of a, as you probably know, uh, writing is a bit of a isolating event anyway. And so um, being a little bit of a private person and having just written the book, I feel like I'm 
pretty used to the whole isolation thing. It's just an odd thing, yeah, to feel something so global going on. So, but um, now the whole world is in our same sort of solitary confinement. I want to first off talk about how appreciative I am to have you on the show. Um, I'm already crying now. I thought I wasn't going to cry till later, but you know, your film about your dog, which came out in 2015, had a tremendous impact on my life. I was so moved. I still look at it and I'm so grateful to be able to speak to you and hear more about your story. Yes, this show is called Let's Get For Real, but it's talking about how animals have such an impact on us in so many ways, how they are unconditional, how their love is just undeniable, and what their companionship can teach us, especially at times like this, but not especially at times like this. Let's talk about why you made the film, and subsequently you've, you've written this book um, called Denali, A Man, A Dog, and the Friendship of a Lifetime. So let's just sort of fill people in a little bit about the whole enchilada, shall we say. Yeah, so I adopted Denali from a, a rescue um, outside of Portland um, when I was 24 years old. And, you know, I was living in the city and I was wanting, you know, start, starting getting into rock climbing and other outdoor activities. And I really wanted to move to a smaller place, you know, not, not be living in a city when I adopted a dog. I just felt like it was... That was just kind of my own thoughts on the matter. I just, I really wanted to, but when I met Denali at the shelter, it was kind of one of those undeniable things. I, you know, I was trying to get out of there without adopting a dog and he, he wouldn't let that happen. So I had him from age 24 into my late thirties and, you know, he just went with me through major life shifts, through heartbreak, through surviving colorectal cancer, to kind of rebuilding my life and starting a career in photography and filmmaking. And he just saw me through so many challenges and was there for me when, you know, no other human was. And so when he was nearing the end of his life, it was actually his last few weeks. We, um, um, I was working with some filmmaker friends of mine and we were going to film just a little commercial project about my love for the kind of the duality of I, I love being at the ocean, but I also love being in the mountains and I love being in the city for the energy, but I also love the solitary state of being in nature alone and, or just with friends. And so we were kind of exploring those, those themes. And then right when we started filming, my friend Skip, who is the DP on that, he said, Hey, I, I really think we should focus this on you and you and Denali. Like it's obvious that bond you guys share. And so we kind of shifted the story a bit and filmed in all the, favorite places that I had gone, both where I live now today on the Oregon coast and then Smith Rock, a climbing area um, near Bend, where I lived for a long time and spent a lot of my time. And Denali was in his last last days. And so he was he was weak, but he just he rallied. And a, a few weeks prior, I I'd, I'd literally told him I kind of understood why his why he'd stuck around for so long. He'd seen me through one last kind of challenge with a relationship ending. And I had thanked him and said, okay, I, now I know why you stuck around. It's, it's, it's okay to go. You know, it's like, it's just, it's okay to go. And, but then when we started filming, 
I had to have another talk with him and said, Hey, Hey, Denali, <laughs> I, I know I said it was okay to go, but can you please just stick around for the rest of this month? Cause this film is going to mean a lot to me. And obviously you being a dog lover as well, you understand how much dogs know, but it was just uncanny because he, he kept that promise pretty much to the hour. Um, the end of the month at, you know, the last day of January at midnight. And he got a little cough and started to kind of go downhill and, that was only a week later after we'd stopped filming. So just to have that film and to share it was something really meaningful to me, but the film itself was really challenging to figure out. It took about a year and a half to put that simple film together and find the right tone and a lot of failed edits. And we had one edit ready for a film festival and I pulled it a year prior and because it didn't feel right. It wasn't honest enough. It wasn't vulnerable enough. And, you know, I take accountability for that because I don't think I was ready to share my story yet I'm by nature a really private person so to share share a personal story with a greater audience was was a big deal I'd been a photographer adventure photographer for 15 plus years prior to that but you know being a photographer you're not in the limelight the first day it was out I had you know my friends were sharing it and had about 5,000 views or whatever and and then the second day it went from 5,000 views to a million and then just just went like wildfire and sharing that with the world and realize, you know, getting the thousands of messages um, of how that story touched people was pretty intense experience. And then after all that died down, I realized that there was a lot deeper story to that. There's a lot more I wanted to say and share my side of the story as well. And just touch on some topics that aren't often talked about with both my symptoms and dealing with the type of cancer I had because I'd lost some friends to that disease as well and really wanted to be more public about that but also I'd battled with depression and anxiety as a kid and you know that's something that is just something that a lot of men don't talk about and you know I just wanted to get vulnerable and, and be honest with my story but through it all it was really just how having a friend that stays by your side through it all is the power of dogs and and pets and like the fact that they're just there for you when no one else can be. And, and that's really the essence of it all. Um, and, and really right now I've been thinking so much about it because it's about, it's about being resilient when you get knocked down and bouncing back. So. Yeah. I wanted to actually read something from the book animals being there for you. You wrote during my encounter with cancer, Supportive friendships emerged from the most unlikely places and others evaporated within moments of my diagnosis. I lacked the energy to even acknowledge those friends who chose to step aside and disappear. All that remained was the resolve to live, which meant I needed to commune with those who embraced life. Through all the turmoil and confusion of this prolonged battle, there was one friend who never wavered and always had my back. He kept me in touch with my dirtbag self always reminding me of my need to be outside. His name was Denali. So, I mean, I want to talk about that friendship in this book, the different levels of discovery of yourself and your relationship with Denali. And, and, and friends, like you said, he was there through your battle with depression, your marriage. The companionship of animals is, is they don't care what you look like or what your day is like. They're with you through good and bad. You know, Denali was with me for 14 and a half years. And so you, 
you know, the amount of life that you live through that time is in the transformation, especially like I felt like the time that I, he was with me, um, you know, in your mid twenties, you re- you think you know everything, but you really know nothing. And <laughs> you keep, you know, there's a lot of self-discovery that happens and, and yeah, yeah going through the divorce and then the rebuilding and like starting a new career and, and then also just surviving a disease that nearly took my life. It, it just, it's easy to take that for granted. And with, with a lot of things in life, that's that, you know, those that are closest, I'm almost, we just don't notice them and until they're gone. And, and I feel like, you know, right now we're grappling with that too. The things I miss the most right now, probably like hugs. I'm, I don't, the whole like, you know, elbow bump thing is just not working for me. Um, or foot bump or whatever you're doing, you know, it's so thank goodness I have Nori, my, my new pup, because I, that's the only hugs I'm getting right now. <laughs> I mean, no one, no one sees you more than all the ugliness and beauty of life than your dog, your pet. Yeah. I mean, you got cancer when you were 29 and you got a type of cancer that is usually for, for people over 50 and you were not diagnosed for 18 months. Is that right? Yeah. I ignored symptoms for a solid 18 months because I was, you know, I was young and healthy and, you know, kind of at the peak of my physical abilities, you know, I was, I was rock climbing and taking pictures and just traveling the West in my van. And, you know, that, that was the furthest thing from my mind. And, you know, I looked up those symptoms when I had some visible blood in my stool and then I passed out and was having just gradually getting weaker and didn't know what was going on. I was just trying to justify them with all sorts of things, with diet, with, it was easy to blame a lot of other factors. And getting diagnosed at that age, I'm just grateful for the doctors that actually accepted the fact that I needed to get a colonoscopy because that saved my life. Um, and I had another friend who, you know, nudged me, pushed me to going to the hospital in the first place, could go see a doctor. And, you know, in the time since then, I, I've lost, you know, three friends under the age of 40 to the disease. And that was really what motivated me to write the book. I was like, if it can just help one person going through this or save one life by me sharing my story, it's, it's all worth it. And I had no aspirations of ever writing a book, much less writing a book about my life. And so it was a really challenging and vulnerable experience. It took about four years for me to get the story out and, you know, work with my editors over at Penguin to get the book finished. And, but it really, that was what motivated me. Just like, uh, just those friends that I, that hadn't made it. And I was like, I'm here and there's a reason I'm here and I've got to use this time to, to help others. How hard was it for you to write the book? I mean, I know you said four years is, you know, uh, that can be the sort of standard practice for a writer to write something that's 300 pages long. But, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about the experience of writing the book. Did it bring up certain things in terms of the relationship with Denali? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an incredibly vulnerable experience. I mean... It was both terrifying, you know, cathartic, therapeutic. It was, there were a lot of things. I mean, I had to relive each of those. In order to write about all those experiences, I had to relive all of them in in detail and, you know, over and over in all the rounds of edits. And 
And then in reading the audiobook too, I was like, I, when I finished the book, I was like, this is done. I've, I'd never have to touch this again. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, by the way, we have a studio set for you in LA to come down for a week. And it's like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, right. I have to read every word, which was an experience in its own right. And that was actually really cathartic. But writing was, you know, the interesting thing was, is because the film got so much attention, the short film Denali, I started almost doubting that that friendship could have even been that real that that was this was kind of like what do you mean what do you um, mean because of all the hype it was just sometimes somehow i was like was it really that good and you know because he'd been gone for a couple years and i was like is you start to wonder and then when i adopted nori all those little reminders came back of all the little moments that you have with your pets and those little feelings of closeness you know and obviously you know it's different with a puppy because you know, you're just you're just forming that bond, but little sparks started going off as I was writing, and I'd see those similarities with the story, and it just reinforced that yes, those were very real, and how that friendship was deeper than anything, and and that there, that was why the grief was so challenging when when I lost him. You know, it was like months of, you know, it was really really challenging. That was what was interesting is like trying to dive back into those feelings of because when someone's just there for you it's hard it's it's challenging to wrap your head around why how why it's so important and to find those little moments and thread all those together into a book and because in a lot of ways the hardest thing to write about was the the bond with Denali because some things are just ineffable they're hard to describe they're just so deep and present that putting them into words is was probably the hardest part it, I felt like I couldn't find the words that would encapsulate and fully embody the depth and breadth of that relationship. So that was that was probably the most challenging thing is to find ways of really conveying that feeling. And, and I did it by breaking it down into very small little anecdotes. And and those would come to me while I was surfing or just, you know, driving. So I would just, if I was out in the water, I would try to remember it. And then if I was, you know, somewhere where I could just uh, dictate it into my phone or write it down in my notes. And so I just ended up with this giant list of little moments that kind of eventually became the book. The true creative mind, that's when things come to you. So, you know, you're in the shower, you're out for a walk, um, when, yeah, you don't exactly. have, when you don't have access to really write them down, you know? Um, one, of my, one of my favorite quotes, um, I think it was Tom Waits was doing an interview and it was, prior to voice memos and things on our phone, you know, and, and Tom Waits said he was driving down the LA freeway somewhere and just a song came to him just perfectly. And he just looked up at the sky and he's like, Oh, please not now. <laughs> Can you just come back later? <laughs> you know? It's just like, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that is when it strikes you. In terms of, you know, creativity, Denali was there for the onset of your career as, as a photographer, you know, you, you started out working in what was, what's the name of the factory where, that manufactured the gear for rock climbing? Amatolius. Yeah. They're in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. So you started out there, but, but you really wanted to be a photographer and pursue the, the, the creative side of things. And at one point you were living much like you are doing now, you were living in your Subaru and then you moved into the van that you got for a pittance and we're pursuing the, the creative side of things. Did Denali have an impact on the creative side? Obviously, he became a source of photographic fodder. 
uh, I'm sure, um, in that, in those early stages. But can you maybe talk a little bit about how he inspired you creatively? Yeah, I mean, when I when I first started working at Matolas and when I first got my camera, I I didn't really have the aspirations to be a professional photographer. It was just something I was interested in, and and back then it was you know still shooting film and it was slide film, so it was a much more challenging medium than you know we have now with our phones taking amazing photographs and you know digital cameras making it really easy to learn. Um, so it was really challenging, but I done all I was one of my first subjects and will, you know, willing subjects when I was, you know, really broken from the divorce and, and needing, you know, time to heal. And so he was always there with me and around. And, and then when I was at Matolias, I mean, that was a very dog friendly, you know, like it was kind of a communal manufacturing facility. Um, a lot of people were climbers. And so it was a very amazing place to be and spend time. And so did I got to just roam around in the halls and just be there and, I think the thing about dogs, both creatively and just for, you know, our physical and mental well-being is they, they want to be outside and, you know, they need to go outside. And so like when I was really down and really trying to figure things out, dogs are the way that they make us get outside. It's like, you know, go for a walk, go for a hike, go have a little adventure. And, and that's when you kind of get the clarity and kind of get out of your own head and, kind of pull yourself out of the dumps and so at Metolius is where I first you know put the first slides on a light table for the marketing director there and he you know he saw something in my work and then I submitted some slides to Patagonia and at the time I didn't realize how much that would change my life I mean Patagonia ended up I mean I still work with them that was uh, 18 years ago when I first had you know my first images published in their catalog so it's um you know with Denali he became you know, a friend of everybody, you know, all the photo departments just loved him because there was always photos of him in every submission. He was in, you know, covers and catalogs and all over the place. So he was definitely, I mean, he was in my first photograph ever <laughs> published. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's kind of fitting that he was in, you know, a film that I made that was just to commemorate him became probably the most well-known piece of work that I've ever created. I want to talk a little bit about Nori. It's really hard when an animal passes. I had a little doggy that passed away in 2018, and the grief that I experienced was like nothing that I had ever experienced in my life. And it would come in waves. And I said, I'm never getting another dog. No fucking way. That's it. And, um, you know, time passed, and I... I did get another dog. I, ha- I have a cat. I've had a cat for 15 years. And um, I've been very much of a cat person. But that first little doggy really changed my life. When did you feel that it was time that you wanted to get another dog and not want to just sort of infringe on the legacy of, of Denali? Or did that even come up? Yeah, I mean, Denali was so wrapped up with my identity and my basically my time being an adult um with him when he left it was I realized it was my first time in my adult life that I was actually going to be truly alone you know I'd always had him or a relationship going on and so it was just it was a really interesting experience to lose him and have that legacy and obviously the grief was just crippling and it was about two years I'd say before I started 
opening up to the idea of having a dog. It's kind of like a human relationship. I mean, you, you uh-huh. know, go through a really hard breakup or, you know, you start to try to date again. <laughs> and, and so I was kind of like searching through the, you know, pet finder ads and, you know, going to the Humane Society in Portland. But it it felt really weird to me, it, it just as dating can feel when you're first getting back on your feet. It, it felt awkward and odd and just as with you know human relationships i i prefer when something feels really organic and natural and doesn't need to feel forced and the woman i was dating at the time sent me a sent me a note you know saying hey check out this cute puppy um and at the time i was more looking at um adult dogs and you know i saw the saw the photo the little listing um in in pet finder and i i knew the second i saw the photo it was just nori had the same old soul eyes she had the same widow's peak the same just there's something in the feeling of just even just one photo that made me really want to find out more and i immediately wrote um cheryl um the woman from the foster uh, she was at my way home dog rescue near um mount hood outside of portland and so i i was going out to pick up from the coast which is it was about a two and a half hour drive from there i was picking up wit from the airport and we went straight from the airport to the foster to meet Nori and I wrote Cheryl and she wrote me right back and she said hey I'd seen your video when I was going through some challenging times and she said you know I would love for you to meet Nori and when I first met Nori it was pretty obvious I mean she was a feral pup Um, she was rescued for somewhere in the Central Valley of California her mom and the whole litter were picked up they're all wild had had no human contact and her first human contact was getting transported. So she was a really shy dog and was at the Aww. foster for about a month. She came out of the house and, you know, ran right up to me and I ran into the yard and she was chasing me around and I just laid down to see what she would do. And she just draped her whole soft puppy body over my head and just laid there like completely content. <laughs> and, and I was just, I mean, I just knew. And so I brought her home to the coast where I was I just started living um, um, out on the Oregon coast and I was writing the book proposal at the time for the Denali book and I was able to spend pretty much every moment with her um, on the beach and and so she spent her first day um, and the rest you know all of her days since then at the same beach where Denali had spent his last days Um, so it was a really fitting um, full circle moment. You even said in the book, it sounds very similar to your, you know, when you first met Denali in the shelter and you, at that point you were, you were still married and you saw Denali in the shelter and you said he rolled onto his back, his legs splayed wide and stared up at me with a confidence that hinted at the loyal friend he would become. As he chewed on my shoelace, I knew in my very soul that he and I were meant to be together. There was no doubt about it. All of my previous hesitations melted away, and I knew in my heart that this furry being was going to be in my life for years to come. So, I mean, it seems like you've got great kismet and connection when it comes to, to, to finding doggies to be your your four-legged soulmate, so to speak. Yeah, I love that word, kismet. That's one of my favorite words. One thing that has really become more obvious to me just because the pattern has kept repeating it's like when you can trust your heart and trust your intuitions and really listen to them um things that seem like maybe chance aren't aren't so much chance like you're you're just able to follow that compass and 
it's like moving towards what feels right. And, you know, all the dogs I went to see or visit prior to Nori just didn't feel right. Something wasn't right. And it's just when you know, you know. And just the same with everything. I just, I just, I like to, somebody was asking me about how I'd gotten to where I was in my career. And I was like, well, it's just a series of little heart tugging moments or like moments where you see an opportunity or you have an intuition to go through. You see a door that's like cracked just a little bit and you got to like, you know, you got to see what's in that door just because you know what, you know, something's behind it and it might be really challenging to get through that door, but it, you got to, you got to trust that compass. You got to take the risk. I mean, it's kind of like with your rock climbing, you know, you're going out there and you could be doing something that you've never done before. And it's a risk every time you go out, but like in, in writing this book, I mean, to put yourself out there, but your intuition said, your instinct said, take the leap. It's a leap of faith. And I don't know, man. I mean, it's scary. It can be really hard, but the rewards can be just incredible. And I hope that the book is cathartic and continues to be. I mean, I'm sure you're getting tons of notes and emails as well from people uh, about the book and how it's, it's touched them as well. I think the thing that's been really affirming, I guess, in writing the book is like getting the, the little notes I've gotten about the book. I think I'm more ready. It was more ready for it than I was with the film too, but it's also because I went into so much detail. I feel like people are relating to very specific things and it's, it's a, it's been incredible to see the different parts of the book that people have related to and especially relating to male vulnerability and like dealing with being like a sensitive and shy kid and a lot of guys have reached out and been like hey I relate to that so much I just never had anybody put it into words before and and it's it's just you know obviously the bond with uh, people's pets has been you know the recurring theme for sure because everybody understands that when they've had that um, special being that they've they've been with that friendship is so so real and so tangible with this book it's been really knowing that it can help people and knowing that it can help those going through really challenging times has made it a lot easier to help, you know, put the book out there and to try to get it in as many hands as possible because I, I just know it can help people and I've already seen it happen. Well, I want to say thank you so much for getting on this podcast and talking with me. I want to wrap with rescue is a big part of what I'm about, what Let's Get For Real is about, and, you know, your story as well. Is there, are there any organizations that you'd like to mention in terms of animal rescue? Anything you want to mention, please do. Now is the time. Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, I'd love to just give a shout out to Nor where I, where I adopted Nori from. Um, they're called My Way Home dog rescue they foster senior dogs and dogs that have you know might not have an opportunity to be adopted and they do incredible work and it's a small volunteer run organization and you know so they need all the support they can get and they're just incredible and the positive change program um, with p-a-w-s <laughs> pause they're an incredible program um, that work with um, inmates in california and it's a dog training program and helps those that enroll in the program are able to, you know, become dog trainers and do that when they get out. And the positive change program is incredible as well. Thank you so much. And um, stay safe. Take care. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate it, Susan. Um, thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of Let's Get For Real. You can find Let's Get For Real on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and on our website, letsgetforreal.com with no apostrophe or hyphen. You can share your photos, thoughts, comments, and ask us questions too. In addition, we want to hear from you and see how you and your pets are doing. Please email us at hello at letsgetforreal.com. That's hello at letsgetfurreal.com. Any photos of you and your pets and any videos or audio files. And remember, World's Best Cat Litter is donating one pound of litter for every single stream of this episode to shelters in their Give Litter program up to one million pounds. So be sure to share it with all of your friends and support cats in need. For more information, you can go to GiveLitter.com and see how World's Best is sharing the love with shelter cats across the United States. Let's Get For Real is produced by Avishai Artsy, Roxana Dunlop, and me, Susan Michaels. Artwork by Abigail Michaels. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And most importantly, stay safe, take care of your pets, your family, and yourselves.